Section 2, Chapter 5. Up until now, we've been discussing the laws of Hashgacha, the laws of providence. In other words, why things happen the way they do. What are the reasons for influencing the world that Hashem might have? But now we're going to discuss how it actually works, how it is put into action. Hmm. What is it sounds it? like it's going to be even more complicated. Well, it certainly is, but we're not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details. Again, this book is covering the the general skeleton of how things work. So we're just going to get an idea for the system. This topic is divided into two main principles. The first one is going to be Hashem's oversight over the world. Hashem looking into things and paying attention to certain matters. And the second is his influence on those matters. So, in other words, you could say one is the input and one is the output. Okay. His perception and his, his action. Yes. Number two. Now he's going to give a preface here because this sounds strange already. When we say Hashem's oversight, Hashem paying attention to certain things implies more than other things. So we have to put in this disclaimer. He says, we already know that Hashem knows everything. There is nothing that Hashem is ignorant of. There are no events beyond his reach. Not in the future or the present or the past. Anything that was or will ever be is already seen by Hashem forever. Hashem is outside of time, in other words. And there is nothing hidden from Him. And everything that is present is also revealed before Him. It's known to Hashem in all of its elements. There is nothing hidden from Hashem. And we discussed this at length, I think in the first episode, where Hashem's knowledge of the world isn't like our knowledge, where we have to observe something to then become aware of it. Mm-hmm. With Hashem, it's the opposite. Hashem is aware of it, and therefore it exists. Wow. And so there can't be anything beyond His awareness. Amnam nikrashuhu mashkif alhadvarim, mashuhu don oisam. When we say that Hashem is looking into something, that Hashem is paying attention to something more than something else, that's Hashem judging the thing, paying special attention to something in order to potentially take action on it. In order to make decrees that are bound within time, the way that Hashem wants things to change. Let's unpack that for just one second. Things can only change when there is the perception of time. Right. Because time is a measurement of change. And so that's why he adds this in here. Things that are limited within time in order for them to change. And that is for the benefit of something existing within the physical realm, passing through time, experiencing time. That's when things can actually change. That Hashem can change things around, so to speak, in the world that will affect our perception of them. Mm. And we'll discuss this more 
later in the book. Okay. Good. So we've determined that there are certain things that Hashem might be more interested in than others in order to change them for for desired effect. Now, when he does that, that's called hashba. Number three. Ach, hashba osoyhu. His influence, his action on the world. That's when Hashem is taking his will from potential into actual. In the order and levels that he desires. In that Hashem has arranged creation with a very set order. There are levels to things, that, as we've described before, and there are realms, one above the next. It's because he wants that order. Nothing is required, inherently. So just as Hashem likes this order, he wants this order in terms of its creation, that planets are in a certain place, the higher spiritual realms are in a certain place, everything was created with a system and an order, so too Hashem wants an order for these things to be able to operate within. So not only their existence, but their operations as well. And it is within this order that Hashem keeps things moving in all of their elements and influences them using this order in, in relation to each other. All, everything within relation to each other. Meaning, Hashem doesn't jump through and, and change one blade of grass directly. There's a whole system and an order for that piece of grass coming into existence and for that piece of grass changing. Does, does the Ramchal explain why we need this chain of events or, or why God chose to make it in that way? Obviously, we don't need it. Obviously, God could do it however he wanted to. So... Does he explain at all why it is set up that way? He doesn't explain why this system is the way it is. He simply says, Hashem wanted to do it this way. Mm. If we understood more of the depth of how the system works, it might become more apparent of why this is beneficial. Mm. But we're not getting so deep into that. Okay. So how does it actually work? Hashem first influences a maloch, an angel, a spiritual force moves a spiritual force, moves a malach. And that malach, that angel, so to speak, moves the angel that's on the level below it in the spiritual realm. And so too, level after level, until the final malach acts on physicality. In order to keep something in existence, to provide its continual energy of existence, or to make some change in reality. And this is all in accordance with the original decree from the king, so to speak, from God. Now, the perpetuated existence of everything that is, on every level that exists, it all comes from Hashem. Because Hashem is the one who is providing the energy in the first place along this whole system. 
Meaning one should not be tempted to think based on what we just said that the angel did something on its own. The angel was a cog in the machine. Hashem is turning the cogs. He's moving everything and providing the energy for everything. It's just done in a system. The system has no power of its own, but the system operates accordingly. Does that make sense? It, I think so, yeah. So all of the energy is ultimately provided by Hashem. The decisions are made by Hashem. It's just that in order for things to come to fruition, for the action to be done in the physical world, it goes through an order, it goes through a system. Number four. Now the, the Lord, the master of the world, placed beteva kolpakid, he placed in the nature of each one of these appointed angels, lamid al mishmartai, to stand at its post, ulekayim begevura mashinim sarbayadai, and to fulfill with gevura. Gevura is often translated as strength. Mm. What it, it has a special connotation though. Gevura means standing firm in the face of resistance. If something's pushing you, you resist, you hold strong. Steadfastness. Yes. So this angel is tasked, not only tasked, but programmed in its nature to withstand resistance and to push against resistance. Do angels have any free will? This is a different question. Well, because you say you say programmed. Everything is has a programmed nature. You have a programmed nature. That doesn't mean you don't have free will. Mm. Your free will operates within your programmed nature and you might be able to overcome it as well but you do have an mo right so it is theoretically true that angels have free will and theoretically everything has a certain amount of free will but not anything significant that would actually have an effect the way that the human being does with the neshama okay all right um well, I'm just I'm imagining the the effect of that sounds like we're the only ones who whose free will affects things in the heavenly realm. Yes. Well, on on every level, the neshama affects things on every level. But we're getting off track. You know, we'll hmm. we'll be discussing this in section three. Okay, coming soon. So these angels are programmed and tasked with fulfilling their roles with strength and steadfastness and cannot be pushed from its post. Rather, it stands in that order that it was established for it by Hashem. For example, let's take the appointed angel over the trees. It tries with all its might to strengthen and reinforce its trees. However, if it would be a decree from Hashem, Hashem may give extra strength to the ministering angel over the wind. And with that extra power that the angel has, given by Hashem, strengthens wind itself in this world, as was decreed, 
And then the angel of the wind overpowers the angel of the trees. And that's what causes the tree to uproot. Okay. So with, I think I have a two-part question here. Um, these angels, are they on a similar level to the angels that we talked about, the, the directing or the ministering angels of the nations in the last chapter? I don't know. I, I don't have a degree in angelology. <laughs> okay. All right. It's, it's less important, but uh, the only reason I bring that up is because you were saying these are referred to as like the gods of, of other nations. Sometimes they are. Uh, sometimes not. That was a, that was a loose term that mm -hmm. I gave because there are other, there are other quote unquote gods that were worshipped in in older cultures which are not these necessarily these special forces, but the forces over, let's say, planetary bodies, things like that. So it was not it's, exclusive. Well, it's it's less important as to whether they're the the gods lowercase g of the other nations and more in that you know, Lahavdil, separate this entirely, this is kind of reminiscent of some pagan religions. Yes, it is. But it's not only pagan. Again, the ancient cultures were more in tune with the metaphysical world. There, there is a reality to it. They were more aware of it than we are today. We've become more and more superficial about physicality. Mm. And we've become very advanced in our analysis of physicality, but we've become very far removed from its source oh, wow. in the spiritual realm. And so these pagan, what we think of as primitive cultures that believed in all of these silly things, hmm. right? They, they were really onto something. Their mistake from the Jewish perspective is that they totally focused on it, whereas our focus is on the infinite creator and okay. how we can emulate him in this world Largely speaking, this system, all of these angels and all these forces, they're very interesting to learn about, not very practical in our lives because we're not dealing with them. Right. We have our work to do, which again, we'll discuss later in this book. W what do we do with all this information? How do we live our lives? That comes in the end, section four. But this is just a, a very interesting academic understanding of how reality is put together. Okay. Thank you. That clears a lot up. So he gave this one example of this epic battle in the spiritual realm between you know, the, the force of the wind against the force of the tree, mm. and that manifests in this world as wind blowing a tree down. It's really something happening beyond that. So that's just one example. But he says, This topic, this idea, contains many, many different levels and all kinds of details. There are angels which are appointed over physical, natural things in this world, as that example that we just gave. These are the things that are responsible, the forces that are responsible for ensuring the integrity of and reinforcing laws of nature how and physical properties of things. Upon them, over them, are other angels and higher realms that are task carriers, so to speak. They pass things from the realm above them to the realm below them. Like messengers? or Well, that is, the, that is what malach means. The word angel 
means messenger. So that's really what all of these are. By the way, the word angel in English comes from the Greek word for messenger. Huh. So it's not a coincidence. Huh. Wow. So the alehem sari hagzerus hagmul hamanim malochi hatevel the sabim hoinyon lufiguzerus. So there are angels above those angels that are directing the physical angels, so to speak. Not that the angels are physical, but they are appointed over physical things mm-hmm. that direct them and tell them what to do according to their orders. The kama pratim la pratim. And even within that, there are many, many details. All in accordance with the unimaginable wonders of how Hashem runs the world. So again, he's, he's bringing up this idea that we, we know that there is a system, but it's practically too complicated for us to really discuss any details of how it really works. But we are aware that the system exists. Okay. I'm turning over all these questions in my mind about like what level of, of detail, because each thing has its, its own angels, right? Or its own angel. Yes. Uh, and so does a forest, is a forest a thing or is it each individual tree is a thing? And, you know, is the tree divided into branches and leaves and, and roots as, as we've talked about? Um, do those all have individual you know uh how how deep down does this go it's not it's not a particularly important question it's just interesting it is yeah they're they're fair questions i don't have the knowledge to be able to this is not um standard curriculum in yeshiva (laughs) Uh, yeah all the the details of how these systems work but he does say that there are details upon details there is a very famous teaching that there is an angel over every blade of grass striking it and telling it to grow. Mm, I've heard that, yeah. I've heard that this is not literal. I've heard many different interpretations of that. The the bottom line is I don't have the education, unfortunately, to be able to answer this question appropriately. What I have is what he's telling us, that this system does exist, there are many details, and this concept is true that there are levels of angels moving things from one to the next that's the relevant information here i don't think the missing info will keep me up at night so thank you let's continue then number five so again even though this system does exist there are all these angels that are carrying out these tasks they are not the decision makers who is barak shamay mashki Hashem is overseeing everything, the higher realms and the lower realms, everything, the roots and the branches. And the only intention is always for the ultimate perfection of all of reality, moving toward that goal. And with that direction in mind, the entire universe moves. And things are divided into their details according to how things were created, why they were created, and what their purpose was. Some things need to be pushed away. Some things need to be brought closer. Some things need to be strengthened and reinforced, and others to be left alone. What is the most appropriate way to bring reality to its perfection. Okay, so we have this system where God's hashkacha 
is kind of managing all the aspects of each person's individual life according to what they deserve and what they have earned. And the cumulative total of that, God is doing the calculation to make sure that that's bringing reality towards its intended purpose, which is the perfection of reality. Right. Is that so, about right? Yes. And so what he's saying here is that not only people's individual lives, but also every rock that continues to exist is for a purpose. Every molecule that exists in Saturn is being pumped with existence in order to fulfill the ultimate purpose of reality. It's so hard to imagine what the purpose of, of some of these things. I mean, yeah, out there in the depths of the universe. Uh, we'll discuss that shortly. Okay. Number six. Now Hashem, according to his will, changes the order of reality at any moment that he that he likes. Now not necessarily alters the laws of nature, although sometimes there there is room for that. But things could be set in motion a certain way, and Hashem intervenes and tampers with the world. He makes miracles, so to speak, and wonders. And that's really all that, that's what it is. Miracles and wonders are Hashem intervening and tampering with the system that he made for a purpose. According to his decree that something would be beneficial for the world. For a certain thing and in a certain time. So what is this that our sages taught us? That when Hashem created the world, He made conditions with the world that He wouldn't change. There was a contract, so to speak, that was drawn up. Hashem made the world and made assurances, made conditions with them. Listen, this is the way it's going to be. Sounds like things won't change. How do you just breach the contract? Right. It doesn't mean that Hashem won't ever change anything. Because certainly Hashem is changing things all the time. But really what it means is, At the time of creation, Hashem showed every element of creation, all of these roots of reality, and informed them of what they are, the truth of their existence, and the purpose that they serve and why they were created. And what they were destined to go through in order to fulfill that. And what will be their end. So he's not changing the conditions, he's just requiring them to fulfill these initial conditions that included maybe at some point I'm going to ask the sea to split. Yes, exactly. And they got it. They understood and they knew. They were aware. That everything is going to one good, true purpose. And they wanted this as well. And they were delighted with this. And this is what our sages have taught us elsewhere in a different source. 
Everything in creation was created with its approval. Mm. Now, when Hashem informed creation of its truth, of its existence, its properties, its laws, and what it would go through, he also showed them what would be necessary in order for their perfection. It would be necessary to make certain miracles for the Jewish people, like you said, splitting the sea, or for a certain righteous person at a certain time. Their laws might need to break in order for the ultimate perfection to come to fruition. Now, these things are decreed in the supernal realms, the highest levels where things are sourced. And afterwards, once they were generated in those higher realms, they then channel through the lower realms. And then become established in the physical world, fulfilling the initial intention. And the ones that carry that out are these appointed angels who are reinforcing these laws of nature. And at a time that Hashem wants, Hashem will decree on these forces, these angels. And they will get up from their post, from their purpose, and they will change, they will move somewhere else from their natural state. This is because it's a decree from the king. According to whatever the, the decree happened to be. Now, that decree can also come to them in different ways. Perush meaning, it could come to them as a command from the king, a gentle command. Or it could come from the scream of an angry tyrant, so to speak. Hmm. Different ways that Hashem interacts with the world. Like it says, As it says in Psalms, Hashem screamed at the Sea of Reeds, and it became dry. There are many different ways that Hashem interacts with these forces, and it all depends on the situation and the time. Wow. This is fascinating because I think a lot of people, um, most people at some point, I, I know for certain myself, you know, several years ago, the, the even the concept of uh, the existence of a metaphysical reality was like, is a foreign concept. And it seems here we take that concept and we say, of course there's a metaphysical reality. Now here's how it works. He really doesn't take it for granted. At this point in the book, we are taking it for granted because we've spoken about it already. But that really is what he's discussing here. And, and that was the big point of this last chapter, was to show that the way Hashem interacts with the world is not, you know, the physical world is the reality. And then Hashem just kind of moves things around as he sees fit. But rather, there's one big system. Everything fits into the big picture. 
And that metaphysical reality, that spiritual realm, all of the spiritual realms are interacting with each other and the physical world. And when Hashem decides to do anything within this world, it moves through the entire system. So he's not really discussing how exactly the system works, but more that there is this amazing system that everything gets channeled through. It's incredible. And I mean, I know we had talked about this earlier in the series when we first started the book, but this comes from Kabbalah, right? This is not derived from uh, something that, that I would just read in the Chumash. That's correct. Yeah, In the beginning of the book, he says that. He says really that he said something very interesting in the beginning, that theoretically we could derive a lot of these principles. Or maybe that was really just those initial ones about Hashem. Mm -hmm. But yes, everything that's in this book is known through Kabbalah. The Ramchal was one of the great Kabbalists. What's really interesting about his presentation is that it doesn't feel so much like Kabbalah. They're, they're very reminiscent of Kabbalistic ideas, but it doesn't feel like we're discussing anything overtly mystical or heebie-jeebie. He's, he's very uh, grounded. He's very matter-of-fact about this, explaining, right. I mean, of course, there's, there's an angel of the trees and there's an angel of the wind, mm -hmm. and sometimes they have to do battle. And God strengthens one, and uh, you know the other one is pushed aside. Right, right. There's there's not there's not a lot of mystique uh, that he's trying to inject in here, but it is Kabbalah in the very literal sense that Kabbalah means reception. That we have received as a matter of tradition these principles from generation to generation, going back to Moses. Hmm. In the next chapter, we'll really continue this idea that we've been discussing in this previous chapter in a little bit more detail about how things work and how changes are made. All right, looking forward to it. Thank you, Rabbi.